morning, Chapel Roswell. So good to see you here. Surprised if you didn't think I was going to be here today because, well, you know what? When you pray for the Holy Spirit to use you, sometimes it happens in the most unexpected ways. And today, Marion is not feeling well, so she called me this morning and I said, I'm free to pinch hit for you today. So here we are to celebrate the birthday of the church. If you didn't know that today, you've come to a birthday party. It's Pentecost. So I brought my red shoes with me, you know, just to remind us about the Holy Spirit being here today. But I am so glad to be with you. If you don't know me, I'm Reverend Melissa Kime Hall. I am Associate Pastor of Children's and Families here at the church, and we are delighted that you are here together with us in worship today. Today, we are going to look at a scripture from Acts, from Acts 2, actually, that celebrates the birth of the church. Now, the scripture starts where there's just about 120 people gathered together. That's the whole church, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. The whole church at that time, but they have gathered together for worship when something miraculous occurs. Hear these words from Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, there's always those others, sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing there with the eleven, he raised his voice and addressed them. He said, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." And even upon my slaves, both men and women in these days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." The word of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, 
Come and be with us now in this place. Send your Holy Spirit. Set our hearts on fire. Help us to hear the words that you have prepared today. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Make these words be yours and not my own. Amen. So picture the scene just in your mind. You're there in the room, the winds are blowing, there's tongues of fire, there's noise so loud that it's drawing people from all corners of the city to this one place. Now, this is a room where people can stand kind of on the street, it's open, so they can see what's going on in the room. So when they arrive to the place where this is happening, they see this small band of disciples, 120, remember, speaking their language, whatever it may be. The birth story of the church, it is fabulous and it's riveting. Probably as fabulous and riveting as most any birth story is. It's filled with mystery. How does it happen? It tantalizes our senses and it stirs our imaginations. It's hard to imagine what it must have looked and felt like that day. For me, it brings to mind images of the wind sweeping across the waters at the beginning of time, of pillars of fire leading the Israelites through the desert, and of the Lord speaking the world into existence. It's so wonderful and fantastic that we can easily recite all these beautiful details about the flames and the wind and the sound. So much so that we can almost miss the quiet beauty of that moment, of that moment when God breathed on the church and filled us with God's spirit. Now, when I read this story, the verse that always jumps out at me first is right there around verse four, where it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in languages as the spirit gave them ability. Everyone that was there was given this gift from God. No one was left out. That is the description of the very first church meeting. Everyone was given a gift and no one was left out. For me, I believe this was the launching of a holy conspiracy. Now, you may wonder why I think this is a conspiracy, but there they are. They're all in one place. They're filled with the Spirit, and they're speaking so that everyone can suddenly understand the good news of Jesus, no matter where they're from. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when we look at that word, conspiracy, and we look at its meaning, well, we often, we kind of give it kind of these negative connotations, like, oh, there's a conspiracy. We should stay away from that. But actually, the word spirit, as in Holy Spirit, and conspiracy, well, they're kind of cousins with each other. How people understood their meanings historically was very similar. The word conspire, the root word, its root is conspiri. And it means that people are of the same spirit, that they're breathing together, that they're thinking together in harmony. And spirit, likewise, comes from the Latin root spire, which means to breathe. So conspiracy 
and spirit. They both mean to breathe and to be together. A holy conspiracy. So I want us to take a moment this morning and I want us to help launch or relaunch this conspiracy. It's always fun to say like, ooh, I helped launch a conspiracy, right? So I want you to take your hand and we're gonna just gently blow on your hand at the count of three so that we're all doing it together. Ready? One, two, three. Did you feel it? You just helped launch a conspiracy. We all breathe together as the church, as the gathered community of faith. That is what God called forth on this day of Pentecost. The details of this story, they remind us how God works. God blows his spirit into us, into that gathered community. And when we come together, that spirit goes in and out among us, weaving us together, knitting us and our hearts as one. It happens through songs. It happens through prayers. It happens through scripture and through words being proclaimed. It happens through the breaths that we breathe. Kind of seems odd in a year when we've tried really hard not to breathe the same breaths as other people, but hallelujah, it's okay now. (laughs) And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there are two gathered or if there's a thousand people gathered. The Spirit is with us. It comes and it comforts. It cares for, it inspires, and it clarifies things for us. But it never forces us to do anything. The Spirit instead chooses to invite us, to invite us to choose how we will respond to its work within us. One of my professors in seminary once described the Spirit this way. He said, the Spirit is the power of God, the mighty burning wind that blows the church into new and unexpected places of ministry. Blows the church The church is not a place. We all know that. We know the church instead is a people. The Spirit moves and blows us into new and unexpected places. And so on this first day of Pentecost, when the disciples, those 120 were gathered, this is exactly what happened. The whole church at that time had come together and the Spirit blew. And the people, they sucked in the breath of God. And they were transformed. They were given a power to go beyond their upper rooms of waiting and to go out into the world into new directions. They were able to speak so that all could understand. And then they took that power and they went out into the world. In the book of Acts, it continues on the story and tells us of all of their adventures. But that day of Pentecost, it was not a one-time event. And if we ever try to say, well, that was just the day of Pentecost, that's when it happened, well, then we are choosing to limit God. We should never try and limit God. So this is a story that tells us how God 
was born again or was born not through the body of just one person as God came and lived among us in the person of Jesus, but God was born into the body of the believers who received that gift of life and began to pass it on through their service, through the way that they loved and shared with all people. The question is, do we still believe in a God who acts like this? Do we believe in a spirit who can blow through closed doors, who can set heads and hearts on fire, who can give words to us that seem impossible? Do we believe in a spirit who transforms and empowers us, both as individuals and as the body of Christ? We're really good at praying to God, but do we believe that God's spirit can change our lives? Now, to be fair, the Holy Spirit is not easy for us to understand or describe. It's really the most difficult person of the Trinity to even talk about, which is why we probably just don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Because we know that God is creator and we can point to the world around us and see evidence of that. And we know Jesus as our savior and we have the stories in scripture that show us how he loved and cared and helped people. But the spirit, well, the closest thing that we have maybe to the spirit is wind, breath that we blow on our hands. Even Jesus said in John that the spirit blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. This morning when I prayed, I asked for the Holy Spirit to come and to move. Why? Because in my thinking and in my belief, I don't believe anything really happens in worship unless we've invited the Holy Spirit to come and move in and among us. The Holy Spirit that comes and it transforms us and helps us to understand what God is speaking. And so honestly, if you're perfectly content with the way things are in your life and with the way everything is going on, in your area of influence, I'm going to encourage you not to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. Because what happens when you pray for the Holy Spirit to come is that things get upended. The Spirit blows and things begin to change. You see things in new ways. We are sent out to do things with new people and in new places. And we're taught to speak a language that is not our own. Growing up, I used to love to go outside on our front porch during a storm. Now, we had one of those long front porches. It didn't have a rail, which I'm sure is probably not even legal today because it was like too kind of up off the ground. It was a ranch house on a basement. Um, but I would go out there during storms. Now, I lived in North Georgia in the North west corner of the state, and we got some pretty good thunderstorms up there. And so in the springtime, I would love 
go, to go out there and stand on that porch and to feel the power of the wind during these storms blowing against me. It would spark my curiosity and it excited me. Now, as you can imagine, that did not excite the people that were in my house, um, like my mother, who was always calling me back in to the safety of the house, who said, come back here where it's safe, when all I wanted to do was be out there where things felt wild and free. For me, this is the memory that helps me to understand how the Spirit works. It blows into us and it inspires us. It makes us curious about where we are to go and what we are to do. It gives us the power and equips us for the work of God. But there are always people calling us back to the safety of the status quo calling us back to where things are calm. This is how it's supposed to be. The people who want us to keep doing the thing that we have always done. But to go back to the old ways is not what God calls us to because God's spirit is a sending spirit. It's a spirit that gives us a sense of a new beginning and that leads us into new and different relationships. This past winter, on my cell phone, about November, you know, when it was really starting to get dark and I was really just tired of masks and pandemic and all the things that were going on in the world, I decided that I would set the alarm on my clock, on my phone, to these birds that were singing. Of course, now, the rest of my family is like, why do you have the birds singing on your phone at 6 a.m.? But for me, during that time, it brought me a sense of comfort when it felt like the whole world was in flux. And then, about a month ago, I woke up one morning, and the sun was just starting to come up, so the room was starting to lighten up just a little bit. And I thought, gosh, my alarm, is, it's going off early, but it sounds a little bit different. And that was when I realized that it wasn't my alarm, but instead it was the sound of the real birds singing outside my window and the beauty of that moment, it overwhelmed me and it filled me. It was a moment when I realized that the real thing is so much better than the substitute. And that's how it is with the Spirit. When the Spirit fills us and moves us, we realize that the real living God within us is so much better than the one that we just say, if you'll just behave like this the way we want, we'll all be okay. Laying there in the dark in that moment, a hope began to fill me that I had not felt in such a long time. 
after a year where it felt like everything had kind of just been shifted from one pile to the other and then back again, this song began to seep into my soul and it felt as if breath was beginning to fill me again. Now, for some of us, we'll hear that story and we think, well, that was just a lovely moment. Isn't that a nice story? But for me, I believe that that story reminds us of the experience of the Holy Spirit moving, renewing, and sending us to do new things, filling and breathing hope into our lives, into the life of the church. We only have to look to see how it is happening. The Spirit, it also calls us into relationships, into community. In a year when it's really kind of been, you know, discouraged that we be with the people um, that we love the most, when you couldn't be close to people, it seems like this is a wonderful day to celebrate, to celebrate being close to one another, to seeing faces, to being together, to hearing the cries of our little ones and the giggles of our children in worship. And over the past few weeks, I'm sure many of you like myself have heard people sharing about the excitement of traveling to go see grandchildren that they have yet to meet, to go and hug the necks of their parents, or just sitting with friends. What that tells us is that when we build relationships with people, no matter who they are, something happens within us that changes us. There's an intimacy to that moment that we do not know any other way. And often we think we can just go about doing the work on our own, going to the places that we've always gone to, and that it will all be okay. Often we get to those places and we realize that the Spirit is at work there, preparing to teach us something, to change something within us, to say, yeah, maybe that's how you used to do it, but look at the new thing that I'm bringing forth. The Holy Spirit's power is unlimited. It can move a room full of people and their agendas as prayers are lifted and as songs are sung, as people begin to listen to one another, and it can shift perspectives. It can bring about change. A fresh wind can blow. It can clear the heads of people. It can settle their hearts. And then all are able to hear and to understand. It happened on that first day, and God is still doing that work today. Some people will call that coincidence. But the church, the gathered community of faith, this is the evidence that the Spirit is at work because just as 120 people gathered all those years ago, we are still gathering with that Spirit moving within us today. We need to practice looking for the Spirit daily. 
And as we develop that practice, we will begin to see how God is at work more and more. We'll see how that spirit has the power to change us, how it's evident in so many ways that it has the power to send us and to give us what is needed for any moment. And then without a doubt, it's always available to us. We just have to believe and to respond. So today, I invite you to take a deep breath. Breathe it in and out. In and out. Let it fill your lungs and your heart and your body and your soul. Because this spirit is the minute-by-minute gift God gives us. It fills us, and we only have to respond and receive the power it offers us. It fills us with a wind that can take us to new places and to new people. It fills us with the courage to speak words words that are given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit and to speak them with courage and with confidence because we know we do not speak them alone. It sets us on fire for the work of God. It helps us to do things that we would never understand on our own. The Spirit, Spirit binds us together And it calls us to be with one another and to begin to see ways that we can live out faith together so that all can understand and all can know the love of Jesus Christ. They were all together on that day. And I believe that today that the Spirit is still at work in this world where there seems to be so much division and hurt and heartache, and it is working and it is calling us to be empowered and equipped to respond and to go, to go out and say, Christ is with us, to say that we can be together in so many ways to break down the boundaries and the barriers that we have put up in our world and to go as the way that God has called us. But do we still believe in a God who acts like this? Do we still believe that God leads us to break down the barriers? Do we still believe that God calls us to be together as one. I don't know how you each answer that question, but I hope that you will consider it and that you'll spend some time looking for the movement of the Spirit in your life and in this world and that you will respond and join this holy conspiracy to see what happens next that you will have the courage and the confidence to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Move within us 
and through us so that all may know who you are. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious God, we thank you and we ask right now for your Holy Spirit to come and to fill this place. Let us feel its power moving in and around us, filling us and flowing through us. Let us rest in the knowledge that even though we don't always know the answers, that you are working in mysterious ways. We ask these things in your name. Amen.